Welcome to today's program. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Glad to have you along with us this morning. We've got a lot of things going on and just so much uh, that we're going to talk about that I think you're going to find to be extremely interesting. We're glad to be a part of it. You know, it's uh, public conversations around this coronavirus thing. This it increases. You know, my concern is children. I think they worry about themselves. They worry about their families and their friends and and you know, everybody, about about that family and friend getting ill from COVID-19. Parents, family members, school staff, church counselors, and pastors, these trusted individuals play an important role in helping a child make sense about what they're hearing and what they're seeing. I mean, it's this group of people that, that it's the way they talk about it from an honest, accurate, and they minimize the anxiety or fear that that child may be going through right now. This is a real problem. People, you think about it, people wearing masks when they're in public and, and the kids are seeing this. And and I don't know about you, but when I go into some place of the shop, go to, you know, to a, a, a grocery store or something, and I see people with masks, even though I may have one on, I, I get a little bit of that anxiety. Well, you think about a six, seven-year-old child seeing people wearing masks in public. And these kids are seeing that, and for them, it can be a strange problem, or not only strange, but a little scary, especially if they're told they have to wear a mask, too. Well, so what do you do? Well, my guest is Jamie Fish. He's a biblical counselor at Bellevue Baptist Church, and he's here to help us get through that and understand it. He's one of my heroes, and welcome to the program, Jamie. Thanks, Jim. Good to be with you. Well, let me ask you this, Guy. I mean, really, the mask issue. I mean, when you think about it, children going through this and all that, what do you see that and how do you see that it's impacting that even the I mean, adults or children? How does that impacting people today? Well, I, I think about a, a movie that came out a few years ago that was an Academy Award winner called um, A Beautiful Life, and it was about a man who took uh, his son into the uh, concentration camps in Germany, and he just tried to create an environment where the son thought it was a big game. And so his his stability helped his son the whole way through. So, you know, even when a guard had a gun up to him, he acted like a, a tin soldier in one scene where he was laughing and, and the son was smiling and laughing at that. I think our children, especially the younger ones, they're going to find... Uh, peace from our parents, uh, for, uh, the interaction that they have with them. And so I think, you know, it's important that, uh, you know, that we have peace ourselves. And then uh, I think we can pass that on to them just vicariously, just by being with them and, and helping them see that this is a normal, it might be a new normal. You know, so much of our our interaction and communication comes through facial expressions and not being able to see those is kind of disconcerting. But I think parents can uh, talk with children about that and and um, make it even a fun thing. You know, we'll get them a, a mask that represents something. I've seen all these masks with a different kind of, of uh, 
emblems on them, and, and maybe they can get a superhero mask or something that they really like. That they really like. That that brings it to a point where it's maybe a fun thing to do, is what you're saying. What do you say to yeah. families, Jamie, that are struggling when you talk about the family and that, you know, the, the parent being, okay, this is okay, but what about that family that's struggling with, with anxiety that's kind of being stuck at home is compounding that problem? And I know a lot of people, I think the first couple of days or even weeks of staying at home was kind of a novel thing, but now it's beginning to wear a little thin for some people. Your thoughts, how do they handle the struggle? Well, I think it's important to strike a new balance in the schedule. You know, routine in the day-to-day activities, whether it be work, even the commute uh, for school students, you know, getting up, going uh, going to school, um, exercising, eating habits, all those things kind of naturally provide a sense of stability. Um, but uh, And so we gain a kind of a silent benefit from that that's built in just from the normal flow of all of life. So it's, it's a simple thing. Just really trying to keep a balance in life by forcing yourself to go to bed and and keeping you know good sleeping habits. Um, I think a big thing that really helps with worry and anxiety is going to bed at a regular time and getting up, and then trying to keep things as close to the regular schedule as possible. Uh, maybe even setting the tone uh, by describing it as an opportunity to a- establish some good habits that we've not had before. Wow, that's a great idea. Good habits that you haven't had and keeping the routine as solid and as stable. If you just tuned in, my guest is Jamie Fish from Bellevue Baptist Church. He's a counselor there, a minister, and uh, does a lot of counseling. And he helps people understand just basically how to maintain perspective about what's going on right now with this COVID-19. Jamie, you do a wonderful job with this. Now, Families. Now, now here, you know, I had this to happen. I had someone to tell me, and I was listening to the conversation. But you have families that, you know, whether it's grandparents, parents, or children, and they may look at COVID nineteen a little differently, and that begins to create. Um, how about disagreement? How about an argument? How about uh, you know? <laughs> you can go all the way with that. How do you manage around when you've got? The child or, say, the husband or the wife or somebody says, oh, I'm not worried about this. And the other one is afraid to, you know, walk outside on the front porch. How do you deal with that? That's a big contentious problem. Yeah, well, I think, uh, you know, going back to what we were talking about earlier, just the uncertainty. um, One of the things that has to be a part of the regular schedule now is conversation that we haven't had before. And... um, you know, it's difficult now because there is some conflicting information that's out on the media. And so some latch on to something that gives them uh, freedom and others latch on to something that uh, scares them. And so, you know, they've got these different ideas coming into the home. But I think, you know, talking about it and, you know, expressing, uh, you know, what we're feeling uh, to each other is an important thing. And then, you know, I just call it taking the pulse of the family, you know, just making sure that everybody is is uh, together. And, you know, we have had a mantra in our home that seems to be something that others have adopted that has worked for them, and that is, with God's help, we can work through anything. Amen. And, you know, come back to that, that stable thing, you know, God's going to help us. With His help, we can get through anything. And so some people feel it's a hoax. Some people are are, they don't think it's anything to worry about. Others are trying to follow the guidelines to the letter of the law, maybe even wearing a mask in the home. Um, so it's it's going to cause problems, especially 
you know, when you have uh, young adults that are a little bit older, um, you know, managing their social life is a challenging thing because they want to keep that up and going. But, uh, you know, I think we have to try to find the the, the place of the lowest common denominator uh, until we get consistent information about, you know, what's going on. So conversation, and that can be—let me ask this question, Jamie, if—, if you're talking to me. I'm listening. I'm going through this. And you mentioned that, you know, the peace in the home is knowing that God's in charge. I, I taught this past Sunday about we're more than conquerors out of Romans chapter 8. And I think about that, that we understand that, but we still go through the anxiety, the stress, the mask, and all those things, and the children. Let me ask this question. When you when you go through that, when you say conversation, if somebody wanted to talk to to a counselor at church at Bellevue Church or anything, how would they contact you guys? How would they? I know you're not seeing them personally, but they can at least talk to you on the phone or I guess a meeting, a Zoom meeting or something. How can they get in touch with you guys? Well, they can just call the office here uh, at three four seven fifty eight thirty and leave a voice message, and somebody will call them back within a very short amount of time and give them some instructions. We'd like to get some information on the front end, just some basic biographical information, and then they'll set a schedule, an appointment on the schedule with one of our counselors. And, you know, these days uh, give us an opportunity to kind of learn some of the technological resources that are out there that we haven't had a chance to, to understand or fully utilize. And so I meet with my team uh, every morning, and we pray together, and you know, kind of take the pulse of what's going on, and um, pray for scenarios—not people's names, but scenarios—and and that I think helps us stay connected. And then all throughout the day, we're on the on the phone with FaceTime or Skype or some media that lets us uh, look face to face. And you know, of all the appointments, my schedule is pretty much the same. And of all the appointments that I've had, uh, probably only two or three have I just been able to talk like this over the phone. So most of them we've been able to see face-to-face using uh, tools. That's that's the key right there. And I guess, I guess you sense that anxiety. You know, I mean, I know some people, my mom was a classic warrior, warrior, not warrior, warrior. I guess that's a word. Uh, you know, yes. can I say that she worried yes. a lot? She just it was in her DNA. Now, she conquered that and she was a dynamic lady, a great Christian lady and just taught me so much. But I noticed that in early on in my young adulthood, I may have had a little bit of that DNA of worrying. And some people just do that naturally. So if you were talking to someone that had that tendency what would you tell them? I like what you said so far. Good habits. Great. Man, I think Lynn and I have really moved into, I'm cleaning the kitchen up. Boy, the kitchen's never been spotless, you know. I mean, anymore. I am a good KP kitchen guy, you know, kitchen patrol. I'm a good KP guy. But we're doing things differently, and I think that's good. So good habits, good conversation. But what about that person that just can't shake? The thought of that, they say, I don't want to worry about this, but I'm worrying. What do you say to that person? Well, I think that there is a uh, a clue in the worry, in that that gives us a a kind of a motivation to seek something outside of ourselves, something that will be stable, that will um, help us to deal with the worry. So I kind of flip it and just ask people to think about when they worry. 
um, who can they turn to that will uh, be able to answer all the questions that they have, give them peace uh, when there's uncertainty, and use the worry as a as kind of a, a, a marker to have them turn to the Lord and, and ask Him for help. And so I think worry can actually be a, a good thing. You know, when we think about fear, uh, it's not wrong to be fearful. Fearful can be a healthy thing. You know, if you and I are walking on the road and a a, a, a pack of Dobermans come running at us barking and we're fearful, that's a good thing. Uh, might get us up a tree or in a door where we're safe. If we're not fearful, that's another problem. And I think sometimes people dismiss the things that they feel and they don't feel them fully and consequently they don't, uh, they're not ready when something heavy comes in life. And I think other people uh, can learn to say, to, to say to themselves, you know, I'm feeling fearful now. What do I need to do? I need to, I need to go to something that's stronger than me. Uh, I need to go to the rock that's higher than I am and cling on to that. So it can be a, a good thing in our life to point us to our relationship with God and developing that. Wow, that is, um, that's wise counsel, and it's always wise counsel. My guest, Jamie Fish, and we're talking about how do you deal with children? How do you deal with family? We've talked about starting better habits, good habits, or at least looking at you know what you're doing and stay focused on a routine. Uh, I really get that. I, I caught myself, Jamie, I have to tell you this. I caught myself a couple of weeks ago where when staying at home, I, uh, I'd get up normally at the 5 o'clock and i do quiet time and i do all the things I do, but I didn't shave. You know, I just go through that process and say, ah, I won't shave today. Well, I got told real quick that either you grow a beard or shave because you, <laughs> you know, my personal, quote unquote, my personal hygiene was not meeting the standard <laughs> of the lady at the house. <laughs> so, uh-huh. but yeah, and I understand. So keeping the routine, good conversation. That is so powerful. Lynn and I have done a lot of walking together, and uh, that's been good. And I know a lot of people do that. I've met more of my neighbors in the last four weeks than I have in the last four years. Uh, because they're, they've been outside, we've seen that, and that's been good. And worry is a good thing. Jamie, closing remarks, what are some things that you want us to know that they should be doing? You've told us these things. Anything else that you can say? This is. You said turn to the Lord. I get that. I think people know that. I think our listeners understand that. What would you close with this in the next uh, 30 sec, 45 seconds? Well, as I mentioned, you know, and you've talked about just uh, good sleep, monitoring our eating habits. Um, and I don't think this is really a great time to binge watch, even though that's being promoted, um, because it tends to just consume time, and it's not real help helpful in maintaining a balance that we really need. Um, and I think what, what you're talking about, looking for opportunities to show, to express gratitude and uh you know, there's some things that are blessings in this. My wife and I also have have taken advantage of it by reading together and praying more together. And um, she's not experiencing experienced any anxiety as a result of this, and and really neither have I. Um, so I think it's it's a, a great time to capture some of the time that you know com- we commute that uh, is lost. Uh, some other things that uh, we maybe do that are just time consumers or time wasters, and and turn them into something um, that's a great asset to us and helps us. Um, so it's not not bad to have fear as long as we let the fear turn us back uh, towards something that's uh, stronger and bigger than us. Amen. And we know that's the Lord. I appreciate you saying that. Jamie Fish, she's a counselor at Bellevue Baptist Church, minister. 
uh, telephone number if you'd like to reach out to the area, to the Beverly Baptist Counseling. You just want to talk to somebody. You just feel like you need to reach in and get someone to give you some guidance. That number is 347-5830. 347-5830. Jamie, as always, sir, it's such a pleasure. I appreciate you so much. Have a wonderful day and stay safe. All right. Thanks, Jim. God bless you. All right. That's Jamie Fish, Bellevue Baptist Church. He's a biblical counselor there. Don't hesitate to give him a call, 347-5830. Well, let me turn to some guys. We talk about fear. We talk about worry. Well, I have two very smart men in the studio with me. We are practicing social distancing uh, to some degree. you got to move that away. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding, Ted. We've got uh, Ted Miner and Michael Powell with us, and we're going to talk about some of the things that have a tendency to we worry about and my my first question to you guys first of all let me say welcome to the programs guy thanks for having me Jim. thank you good to well, be here let me i want to ask this question because i mean i've been in this business a long time we talk about finances this is talk money i so much appreciate jamie giving us guidance how to handle anxiety and how to handle all the thoughts and the worry and stuff that go on and practicing you know good communication but how in the world do you plan ted i'll lead with you Ted, I mean, how do you plan for something like COVID-19? I mean, that's, that's you know, I don't remember ever in my career something like this. Well, money certainly is emotional. Yes, it and, is. And I think sometimes we forget that because we, but we do try to deal with that when we're, when we're talking to our clients. But one of the biggest issues, Jim, is we try to understand what it is we're trying to accomplish uh, when we sit down and talk to a client. And when, you, when you're talking to someone over a number of years and working for a plan, you know, in my age group, most of the people that I deal with are, are either pre-retirement or some of them are in retirement. And uh, as you're planning through those stages, you try to go through things that can happen in the market. And uh, up front, you, you do some things uh, to set, set the portfolio aside to, uh, to actually to take away some of the risks for things like this. But you need to keep the focus of what the plan is and what they're trying to accomplish. The focus. Now, you mentioned your age group. Now, Michael, I want to dive into mm-hmm. your age group because I've got the two of you here because we're talking about two demographics that are different. Right. Michael, your age is under 35. Let's just leave That's it correct. at that. Okay? Yes. And single. Never mind. I did say that. Did I say that? I think you did. I did, didn't I? Yes, I did. So <laughs> let me give you his number. No, we'll do that. <laughs> I won't give you his. I thought we were talking about money. Jeff. Yes, we are. Well, we can add it to the other thing. We, we need to get him married. Yeah. Don't you think? You know, what do you think? I don't understand. I don't understand. <laughs> no, but Michael, you're looking at a group that's under 35, under right. 40. Right. Okay. So now let me ask that question. How do they plan for something like COVID-19? Well, I think going to what, what off Ted said, um, having a plan and time horizon with what you're trying to accomplish with your money is important. But being a newer investor, when I'm talking about that, I mean less than 10 years. We've never been through. You've never been through some sort of volatility like this before. So it's very, very new. And the biggest thing you don't need to do is stress over it too much because long term, and if you look at history, you've you've had a few other guests on the show in previous weeks about what can all happen, you know, how much the market does fluctuate. But we just got to remember what the time horizon and goal is behind what we're doing. 
and I think that's the biggest thing I've been telling people. I, I like what you guys are saying, and I and I think it's important. The time horizon. Mention to talk about that, when, Ted. I mean, time horizon for some people. Help define that for me. What do you mean? Well, the time horizon. You know, for for Michael's uh, for Michael's clientele. You know, they're they're looking at thirty, forty, maybe fifty years, uh, and. Uh, my clientele is as we start working together and, and uh, as they get closer and closer to retirement, the, the biggest ones with anxiety are the ones that actually have gone into retirement and they're actually living off of the, the monies they've, they have saved. Uh, but the, the time horizon is how much longer are you going to need this money? And, uh, you know, if you're, if you're 50, years, 50 years old, that may be 35, 40 years. Uh, it may not be like it was years ago when you retire and there's seven years of retirement. Today, people are living much, much longer than they were. So that time horizon is much longer. So they got to think about that. Michael, do you do you agree with what he's saying? I mean, this whole idea behind the time horizon, I mean, it's it's definable. I know I've always said if you're going to invest in stocks, you cannot want this money in two years. Mm-hmm. So your time horizon, anything less than two years, forget it, no right. stocks. Anything from, say, three to ten years, yeah, maybe, but stay. Be careful where you're going with stocks. You don't sure. want those that are highly volatile. And Jim, when you when you do that, one of the things that uh, you know there is the discussion where you can talk about buckets of money. Right. You're, you're kind of talking about that, but a lot of times our discussion will be: Are you in an eighty twenty portfolio or sixty forty? And what that means: that first number is how much you're into equities, and the latter number is maybe how much you're into fixed income or, or bond funds. And that latter bucket is that bucket that doesn't change quite as much and is a little bit more stable. And that's the bucket that is there to be used in a more shorter period of time. But that equity bucket, which is the one has been that has been impacted so much here of late, uh, that is the bucket that you're trying to beat inflation with. That's the one that over the long period of time you're trying to get some growth out of. And so one of the things that, going back to that first question, is that we do on the front side is we actually allocate those assets based upon the risk tolerance, based upon their time horizon, and set up that portfolio so that we have some things in that portfolio that aren't going to change in the short period of time. We have some things in that portfolio that are going to change in that three- to five-year time frame. But that equity side of that portfolio is there for the longevity. It's there to beat inflation, and it is going to move a lot more than that, that other part. Well, that's that's kind of what I hear and understand that you're saying, that when you talk about allocation, the stocks and the bonds, it's it's knowing the time horizon. I think when I when I guess when we're trying to say to people is how do you plan for a COVID-19? I don't think you do. Is that what you're saying, Michael? You can't. I mean, but you can plan for uncertain times. Okay. because we've been through those before, whether it's a world war um, some other type of financial crisis, whether it is. I mean, there's always times where we're going to be uncertain about the future. If we knew the future, that would be a lot easier, right, to plan for things. No question. So realistically, I tell younger clients or even older clients that I'm working with, we've been through uncertain times before, and that's not the right time to panic for any Well, reason. when I come back, we're going to take a break here in a second. When we come back, I know everybody's different. You guys have very specifically explained to us that everybody is different. They're all in mm-hmm. different stages of life. But whether it's accumulating, as Michael's doing, or retirement, Ted, is what you're doing. I, I really want to talk about there's two key words that I know you've mentioned to me before, needs and wants. Mm-hmm. That's big. And I want us to make sure we cover that. Because that's important for every one of our listeners. If you just tuned in, I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. 
podcasts of Talk Money are available in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. Jim Shoemaker, Ted Miner, and Michael Powell are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Neither Shoemaker Financial nor Securian Financial Services are affiliated with Jamie Fish or Bellevue Biblical Counseling. The views and opinions expressed are those of Jamie and Bellevue only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Securian Financial Services, Inc. or Shoemaker Financial. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, if you just tuned in, my guest, Michael Powell, Ted Miner, and earlier, Jamie Fish, we have covered things like starting new habits or embellishing good habits. I like that thought of just taking a habit that you've had in the past and working on it. I know I'm doing those projects at home. Uh, I started a project about three weeks ago, thought I'd be done in about two or three days. I says, I said, I started, I'm still working on the project. It's a, it's a, it's turned into a major rebuilding, it seems like, and I'm never finished. And then also good conversation and then worry is healthy, but manage it. And these two guys that I have with me right now are helping us go through how do we worry? Why do we worry? about our investments and, and our retirement. Well, it's just natural, and it's nothing wrong with it. And you need to understand, it's going to just be a part of it. But here's what they're telling us. How do you plan for something like COVID-19? Well, and I like it. They said, know what you're trying to accomplish. If you're clear about what you're trying to accomplish, it makes it a lot less worrying going on in the home because you're all focused on that. Well, I guess uh, I led with this earlier, and Ted, I'm going to start with you, and just because I think you've defined it. You've said that you need to know two things when it comes to really doing any type of financial planning, investing, and what are those two things? Well, you have to know your need, and you like to know what you want. And uh, anytime when you're doing financial planning, when I'm working with someone as we have annual meetings and stuff, this is something that we're constantly doing. Even if they're younger, we're only talking about an emergency fund. We have to know what we need in case we lose our job. We have to know what we need if we don't get that bonus. We have to know what we can live off of, what we have to have. And then we want to know what is it we'd like to have. So when times are good, that we can we can do those things and enjoy those things. And right now we've entered into one of those times, if you're in retirement, that you need to drop back to where your needs are because there is some uncertainty out there. But we need to have those things defined. That's that's so critical. Lynn and I were talking the other day that, you know, we're not going out to the eat out, out and we're eating at home. And my uh, I got my American Express bill and, uh, you know, I... I <laughs> $96 for a whole month. I'm pretty good pressed, you know. I mean, it's just what That's a win right there. Yeah, it's a real win that I thought, boy, we're going to add to the retirement plan. But, but I think you're saying, knowing during this time, so if, I, if I'm if i going to look at it and say, oh, my goodness, what's going on with the economy? Because we're going to expect some terrible numbers. I expect some very serious numbers coming up. In fact, Shannon Dyson's going to help us with some of that coming up in a few minutes. But the reality is, we're not through this, even though the market has done, I think, better than, than what we would have expected for the last two weeks, three weeks. I don't think we, we're through economic volatility or, or market volatility. You know, one of the things that we haven't talked about that's part of this, too. We See, we have a perfect storm. 
uh, Jamie talked a little bit about it. You know, we can't go out and do some of the things that we used to, and he's trying to get trying to get people into habits. But right now, people are confined, and it's twenty four seven on television. Jim, I don't know if you remember this uh, or not. Uh, I think I've got time to tell this quick story. But back in two thousand eight, you were my financial advisor, and I I was coming to see you actually during the biggest part of that crisis. And I remember walking in. You may not remember the exact. Uh, things that occurred but the first thing i did you did when i walked in the door is you said have you been watching television i said well i haven't this morning he said don't go somewhere do something of course then we didn't have what we had like today you could go out and do things but but the the financial the markets had fallen and actually uh, the 2008 2009 crisis the market fell 57 percent, which is a lot more than what it's fallen so right. far in this and uh you told me we're not changing anything we're not doing anything uh, differently, but we're going to stay the course. And my my portfolio fell thirty six percent, and the next year was up forty two percent. And in ten uh, in about eighteen to twenty months, two thousand ten, it was all back. And so that was my first real crisis that I went through. And and your your voice of it was kind of comical. Don't look at television. Don't watch television. Go and enjoy something. We're staying the course. Yeah, so. that's true. Of course, you know. Let me make sure we can disclose this. Past performance is not an indication of future performance. That's right. We have to get that out. But I appreciate you telling that because I think that's a critical point. You know, Michael, you talk about I think this whole idea of uncertainty. That's what that's what Ted's talking about. Uncertainty. Right. What do you tell Ted's talking to that 60, 65, 70-year-old? What do you tell the 30, 35, 40-year-old? Well, along with what Ted's saying about needs and wants, because I still think that's still important for anybody, any age, and that especially with saving for retirement, especially when we're younger, we're, we're preached to save earlier. That way, the longer we have it in the market, potentially we will have more left over at the end. But I think overall, when we sit down with clients and look at time horizons, like we've been talking about this whole show, you got to remember that whatever I'm saving in my 401k and I've got a pot of money later on, it's not like the first year I decide to retire, I'm taking that whole pot of money out. So even if we are in that retirement stage or getting close to that retirement stage and we see volatility like this, it's not like you're going to take the whole amount out and spend it because that's not reality. Right. No, I think that's what you're saying. What about 401k? What are you saying? I know the 401k has become a hot topic. I can get the money out. Right. What are you telling your people? If you don't need it, if you have the resources available, do it, whether it's uh, if you've lost a job, obviously, that's a totally different reason. If you don't have other resources available, you know, use it wisely. But typically, if you don't need it, it is for retirement, even though we are in a pandemic, a uncertain time. You need to stay the course and keep going. Is that what you say, Ted? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, for some people, it might be an opportunity. And if you've got a 401k that you're contributing to, that uh, you know, if you've got a certain amount that you're going to put in this year, you know you're going to put in this year, it might be a good strategy to actually move it up front. Move here. it up front. That's a good point. Well, guys, you've done a great job, and, and I appreciate that because what you've told us is stay the course. Know your time horizon. I, I think that is what people – Forget we have a tendency to listen to the media, as you said, and we end up focusing to what's happening today when reality it's not about today, it's about when you retire or what you're trying to save the money, the accumulation that you're doing. The longer the time horizon, the more freedom you have. If you've got a short time horizon, I heard you say you shouldn't be in stocks in the first place. 
That's right. That's correct. I like these guys. They're doing a great job. We're on television yep. today. Yep. I ask a question. It's a yes or no, and they shake yes, their head. Yes, yes, sir. That's good, guys. Way to go. Well, I appreciate it, guys. You've done a great job for us because the bottom line is, it's what do you do in a time like this? Well, Warren Buffett said he does the same thing he did the last four times. He's not worried about it. He's not worried about it. I think that is so, so powerful. Hang around. I'll get you back later on, but I want to go to this guy now that's going to talk about the CARE Act. He is always a guest. He's he's gotten so frequent that occasionally we comes in and begins to look for his chair with his name on it. And I, I don't know if that's good and you know if that's good if he if it's right for him to do that that uh, he does that, but I need to make sure that we allow him to tell us a little bit about what's going on with the CARE Act. And uh, that's uh, Shannon Dyson. He is our uh, vice president of Shoemaker Insurance and does a wonderful job, but he's always talking about things that are important to you, the employee, and to you, the employer. And, uh, Shannon, the CARE Act is um, in another phase now. So bring us up to date. What are you seeing? What do you hear? What are you thinking? Well, it's good to be back. Thanks for having me your chair, back again we, this we're morning. We're going to get your name. By I made the way. Ted get up so I could sit in my chair. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the the new round, I think the the PPP uh, payroll protection program that was passed back at the beginning part of April, we all know ran out of money in about fourteen days right. or so. Uh, a lot of problems when that first came out, uh, and so the new. PPP was passed on Friday, last Friday, uh, with funds starting to go out uh, as early as yesterday. I'm sorry, Monday. So funds are out, another $310 billion into the program. Uh, There were some issues last time. They've tried to address them this time. So $30 billion of that $310 billion are going to smaller community banks uh, with the hopes that some of the mom-and-pop businesses, smaller businesses, uh, that maybe did not get access because of a lack of a banking relationship, maybe they will get uh, a chance to get that money this time or this go around. Is, are you seeing, I hear more and more that it, it went the first time that it went through, that it was too much of it went to the, you know, the big, the big companies, the public companies got money. So what's your thinking there? Yeah, there were over 100 publicly traded companies that uh, received money uh, from the PPP the last time, and that was about $350 million. Um, that, when, that, when they started doing the analysis of where the money was going, uh, that obviously raised a little bit of a, a red flag. Is that a mistake? I mean, not excuse me, I know it was a mistake. Is that, was that intended, or did they just take advantage of the system? I mean, I remember back in 08 and 09, we had a lot of fraud, we had a lot of banks that got into trouble. They were already in trouble. They were trying to get money done, and they, they didn't seem to have as good of a a system in place. This time, I I was impressed. SBA, that's going to give us – that to me was a, a breakthrough to have it done by SBA banks. and But all of a sudden it became, if you're my SBA client and you're one of my biggest depositors – I will work with you first if I come in or Greg comes in and, you know, the bank is saying, well, who are you guys? As What's a local th- bank, who do you feel more comfortable with, right? Yeah. Who do you feel, I feel well, more comfortable with my bigger clients. Sure. Yeah. You know, I know you. You, yeah. you know, I've actually, you and I played golf together, yep. so you get the money. Greg and I are out there going, hey, what happened to us? It was actually the same. Actually, Greg would get the money. I would be, what's <laughs> happened <wouldn't>. to me? <laughs> right. It was actually the same uh, concerns 
the light, I, saw, I heard you guys talking about 2008, 2009. Do you remember what that program was called, by the way? The, I don't. That stimulus package? I, 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 I read about it this morning. Is the only reason I remember. Uh, it's called TARP. TARP, And so, right. so TARP came out, and that was the concern that the bigger businesses, uh, Wall Street was getting bailed out, Main Street was not, and that was the big talking point exactly right. uh, around that time. Well, this time it was geared towards smaller businesses, but what ended up happening was some of the same things, because like you said, uh, this is left on the banks to provide these loans, and so they're bigger customers. That's why you saw over 100 publicly traded companies. Like, how can that happen? Because you're supposed to have under 500 employees in order to, to be able to get the loan. But think about they gave two waivers for restaurants uh, and for hospitality. Uh, and so many of those companies have more than 500 employees. So that is a, those are a lot of the companies that you see uh, they got some of the bigger loan amounts. And, of course, there's some franchises uh, that, that did receive those loans, and some franchise owners are, are local people. And so that they own a local franchise just because they're a part of a bigger franchise doesn't mean that they shouldn't have access because they're hurting too. They were hurting, and they needed the money, and that's the, the, the bailout was designed for that person who obviously doesn't have the ability to go to the public and float a bond or go out and sell stock. This yep. was mom and pop businesses under five and under hundred employees that that really are the back. It's the they're the backbone of our country. Absolutely, and yeah. that's what we should be seeing taken care of. And that's my concern. And hopefully, with the thirty billion going to community banks, that will hopefully alleviate some of those concerns. A couple of other things that were passed as a part of the bill. Uh, Seventy-five billion went to hospitals to help with that, and then twenty-five billion for testing uh, for COVID nineteen. So two two things that were added to that bill. All right, let me shift hands to, to just a second, and uh, I'm shifting hands. Notice that what I said? Yeah. <laughs> did you that. catch that? I did. Uh, here's the thought for you: if if I am an employee, I want to talk to you about insurance problems, insurance questions, and insurance issues. I am unemployed. I want to know. How can what's going to happen to my health insurance? I'm going to end up having some medical bill. By the way, life continues. Sure. We can shut the economy down. We can take schools and say you can't go to school. But life continues. What happens? Yeah, that's that's a great point. And you've got a lot of looking at the unemployment numbers, how many people are unemployed today. Um, it's a staggering number. Yeah, 26 million. Staggering number. And so all of those people um, – what are they doing for health insurance today? Because like you said, life goes on. And, and just because you, uh, you're, you're still going to get sick with other things. Uh, you know, every time we get sick now, we think, oh, we have, we have COVID-19. Yes, I mean, everybody I know, <laughs> but, you sneeze twice, you got to go. I mean, which I think is, I, actually, I have to say, I appreciate the fact that we're taking it much more. It seemed like we, I guess, back in the middle of February, yeah. latter part of February, we were not taking it right. serious. It took us a time to get accustomed to the point and now we are taking it serious. But people are getting sick, and, and, and the, you can't um, let go of your health insurance. You still need that because there's still going to be things that could pop up. And so you want to make sure if you're unemployed today, if you, had, uh, if you were just laid off, your company had more than 20 employees, you have options. You can continue the insurance that you had. I'm not going to say it's um, inexpensive because it could be very expensive, uh, but that's one option. Continue your current group plan from the company that you were laid off from. Okay, now explain that. Make sure that I can just simply, who, who, 
I'm you notify your company? And I want to get the plan. Right? Yeah, your company is supposed to send you paperwork that allows you the opportunity. It's called COBRA, um, and you can continue COBRA for up to 18 months. Uh, that would be option number one if you, if you just got laid off. Uh, the other option that is open to you now, since you have a, a loss of job in a qualifying event, uh, is you can go on to healthcare.gov. Uh, healthcare.gov is, was established back in 2010, been around for a long time now, um, and that you can get actual in, individual insurance with no health questions asked. So uh, when the Affordable Care Act passed in 2010, one of the things that it did is it said you can no longer, uh, not, or you can no, no longer decline people for health insurance based on their health conditions. Uh, so if you've lost a job, you now have a qualifying event to go onto that website uh, and get insurance. Is it individual? Or it's individual it, insurance, yeah. What about if I have a family, if I have a wife and two kids? The way that that system works uh, is that you go on, you put your information um, covering myself, my wife, my two children. It's going to ask your income uh, because it is income. The, the rate that you will pay is based on what your household income is. Uh, so if you've been laid off and you realize that for the rest of this year, your income is going to be significantly lower than it was in past years. So is years. my income, because I hate to ask this question, but I'm just trying to think, you know, I've not done this before. I, I've always been employed. Right. I, I've never had this problem. And all of a yeah. sudden, it's in my face. We've talked about anxiety. We've talked about worry. We've talked about stress. We've talked about investments. But here I am. I've got to take care of my family. Absolutely. What do I do? So let me ask. I am unemployed. Yes. Okay, been laid off. I'm getting unemployment. Mm-hmm. Am I? Do I have to put that down? Is that the number, or is that is that considered income? That at that point, everything that you get is considered income. Okay. All the money that you get is considered income. However, uh, the amount of money that you can make and still get a tax credit is a is a pretty good amount of money. And so, if you look at it and say, I can actually go onto the system, and what it's asking me is, it's not asking me what I made last year. It's not asking me what I made two years ago. It's asking me what do I expect to make in 2020. 2020. That's correct. And so they, they want to know. And they base your price on the income that you report, the amount of people in your household, and your zip code. And so those are the only three factors that are used in determining the price for an individual going on to healthcare.gov. All right. I've got to ask this question because I know there's been this comment, the media, and it's really been kind of explosive that we seem to, this is the hourly employee, this is the underserved, this is the ones that find themselves, they, they were working, maybe it was a part-time job or something. They're still eligible for any of this regardless. They didn't have to be a 40-hour-a-week employee, punch the clock. This is anybody you're talking about. Absolutely. This is anybody, and it may actually be a better option than continuing your your work, COBRA. Uh, A lot of times when you see what that rate actually was, most employers pay a certain percentage of your health insurance. So as an employee, you may see the amount coming out of your paycheck for health insurance and think, man, that's really, really expensive. But when you see what the actual full bill of that check is, it's outrageous. And so what healthcare.gov allows you to do is go on, put your information in the system, and see what that rate will be based on your new normal income for 2020. So that's that's a good thing. Okay, that, that makes a lot of sense yeah. to us. Now, all right, we've talked about the employee. we talked about the whole idea behind PPP. Companies are staying in business. They're, they're getting the money. we got the second phase. But I'm concerned about what happens to us when we start coming out of this. 
this is this is and we will we will yeah. come out of this we will see the other side as yeah. the guys talked about earlier you know we've had 9/11 and that was a crisis we've had hyperinflation in the 80s we've had all kinds of other we, of course obviously the great recession some people say this is compared to 1930s uh, the the depression um what do you see coming out? I think it's going to be a, a slow process coming out of this. You know, we've we've already seen some guidance from local officials as to what's going to happen. It's it's a, a process that is not going to be, okay, we've hit a certain date and everything's open and everybody's ready to go. Not going to happen that, was, that way. That was actually posted yesterday it by was. the mayors yep. of the cities and you came out with this guideline and it's got a lot of, you're right, it's, it's a rollout slow. And you notice there's no dates on any of it. That's right. No dates. It, it, they, they're talking about time timelines. We want to be in this green category, what they call it, right. for a period of 14 days. Then we can move to the next phase. And if we're in 14 days in that phase, then we can move to, to phase three. So everything is going to be based in phases. And so as a business owner, as you're kind of looking through this, I think I think things change. I know for, for my, you talked about you and your family and how that's kind of changed for ours, it's it's like hitting a reset button on finances. I think it's the same thing for business owners. Business owners are going to be or should be looking to see what are we spending and, and what how much are we spending on our group benefits? How much are we spending on our group health plan? Is there a way that we can do this differently? And so I think there are going to be new and innovative things that will happen between now and the end of the year for sure. I, that to me is going to be the, the issue for a lot of people. Navigating that and getting back up through into that point. You do a lot of work with a lot of business owners. You do a lot. What are they saying to you? What What are you hearing? A lot of a lot of what they're asking today uh, is, you know, Shannon, these insurance companies are paying 100% of all expenses as it relates to COVID-19. What's that going to do to our premiums next year? Uh, and that's a legitimate concern because as you're, as you're thinking through small businesses that have, many have had to furlough or lay off workers, uh, but many have kept the insurance in place for their employees uh, while revenues have been down. And so as you get through this year and you look into next year, when these plans, these health plans start to renew, they're usually on 12-month cycles. Uh, when they start to renew, what are those renewals going to look like next year? So it's it's a, it's on the top of, of many business owners' minds. What are our expenses going to be on health care as we move forward? Well, I, I want to talk about that later some more. I want to do some planning. I want to bring my guests back in, Ted and, and Michael, because, guys, I wanted you to get a summary for me. And I know we're going to get a little crowded, and I apologize for that. We will make sure nobody's got a fever in here, and we'll go home and take showers. I got it. All right. But I want to make sure our listening audience gets this. What I've heard from Shannon is you can get covered, and you can take care of things. You've just got to be proactive. So, Michael, let's start with you. What do you want our listening audience to understand? We, our topic was, how do you manage something like COVID-19? What do you want to leave with our listening audience? I want to bounce off what Jamie had said earlier in the show, uh, things about worrying. And I think we don't need to worry about things as much that we can't control. I got it. We typically, like you talked about your mother earlier, she was just a natural worrier. We tend to worry about a lot of things in life that we can't control. And I would encourage everyone out there that's listening is to worry about things you can control because at the end of the day, those are things that you're going to be able to make yourself relieve a lot more stress. I think that's so critical and so important. I appreciate you saying that and, and saying that. Ted, what about you? What would you like for people to know? Well, I'd like to kind of go back to what Jamie said, too. One of the things that 
uh, there are some opportunities. A lot of people are finding more time on their hands than they've had in the past. Uh, I believe that turning the television off, you know, watching your television but not watching it 24-7, I think is is healthy. And uh, spend some time with your, your spouse, your family. Uh, uh, I certainly, most of my clients, are. I certainly have faith as a big part of my my practice, and I believe that uh, spending more time, as Jamie said, in God's Word and, and prayer, and I think that's all good. It doesn't make any difference whether they're in pandemic times or not. That's all good. That's all good. Well, guys, Shannon, what would you say to our people? If you're a small business owner, uh, apply for the PPP loan. Uh, last time, uh, a lot of people thought, well, I'm too late. Uh, but the people that did and did not receive the funds, they're first in line now. So who knows what happens from here? So even if you think you're too late to the ball game, go ahead, fill out the application, call your local bank, fill out the forms, and you never know what's going to happen. You know, in the next month or so. I think it's critical. You guys say it. You do. You delivered it. You said exactly what we want. And I so much appreciate that. It's been a great program. You've been listening, of course, to the Mighty 990 KWAM FM 107.9 and AM 990. My guest, Jamie Fish, Michael Powell, Ted Miner, and Shannon Dyson. If you'd like to talk with Jamie at Bellevue Baptist Church, you can reach him at 347-5870. 347 347- 5870. If you have additional questions for Ted, Michael, Shannon, 757-5757. To all of our physicians and healthcare professionals, I want to say a big thank you. Our grocery store workers, drivers, guest attendants, all those that have been active during this crisis, thank you so much. All of us at KWAM and Shoemaker Financial say a special, special thanks. We appreciate your listening. Thank you for being a part. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Talk Money is produced by Greg Ratliff. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. Production assistant, Eleanor Moskovitz. Compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong. Mid-South History Moment, Rebecca Brazier and Drew Johnson. We'll see you next week on Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker, Ted Miner, and Michael Powell are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. The S&P is an unmanaged index of 500 large cap stocks. Investors cannot invest in an index. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate, and when redeemed, may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Financial advisors do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax or legal situation.